start thinking about the animals I left behind on the island. So I left my Now to fight like I mean it. All right. Ah, uh, baby boys, baby girls, what's going on? It's your boy SKIP.88 here in the building. We are back again on another Sunday doing another interview of Being a Blur. Have a very special guest coming in. He's waiting in the green room. We're going to let this brother introduce himself the way he want to be introduced, and we're going to get this good interview on and started. And I'm pretty sure y'all going to enjoy this interview because this person has his own convention in the great, the great time of New Orleans. So we're going to let this brother to come in, introduce himself the way he want to be introduced, and we're going to take it away. Remember, if you want to ask questions, you can go to the Facebook page, to the Twitch page, and we'll try our best to answer every question that we can. And I'm on Instagram right now, so I'm looking at the questions right now, if you had questions. But if you want to ask them, I'll look on this as well. So without further ado, people, let us bring our special guest, and, and we're going to get started. So hope y'all enjoy it. Thank y'all for tuning back in. And without further ado, everybody, this is our special guest, the man of the hour and the evening, Mr. True. How you doing? So, yeah, my name is True. I'm black and I'm a nerd. And I find that I'm most comfortable in spaces where those two things overlap. And I wasn't finding a whole lot of that in New Orleans. So... I did something about it. Boom. There it is. Came in powerful with that answer. I like that. Good, sir. Thank you for coming on. We really do appreciate you for doing this and welcome to being a blur. Um, so what this is about is about you to get to know you about, you know, what makes you a nerd and a blur and everything you love about the community. And also we're going to talk about the grand scheme of things of what you're doing in New Orleans. I'm pretty sure people are very excited to learn about this convention that you have created. And so welcome. And now to move forward, the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to ask you the question that everybody loves to loves for me to ask, and I'm not going to fail them. So I'm going to ask you the same thing, Mr. True. So Mr. True, what makes you a blurred? Uh, how much time have you got? Uh, uh, I've always been interested in art in making things in science fiction, um, in, uh, animation and anything that's creative, anything that is, uh, imaginative. Those are the things that I've always been drawn towards. And, uh, yeah, like, uh, I, when I think of people that are not nerds, they they bore and frighten me. <laughs> so yeah, I'm a nerd. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. So why do those people kind of bore and frighten you? Uh, a lot of people think that there is a point in your development where you switch from childhood to adulthood, and then once you're in adulthood you're supposed to put down childish things and, and like, I don't know, go into accounts receivable and I don't know, just, (laughs) just do adult things. And, 
and I I don't understand that mindset. I think it's really boring because um, you know if you look around the world, they're children and they're adults, mm. and which group has more fun? Like you could be standing in the line at a bank. And most adults are just kind of standing there, like, you know, waiting for their turn. The kids are like, they don't care about you. They don't care if you're looking at them. They're singing, they're dancing, they're talking to themselves, they're playing games. They're like, you know, whatever it is they're doing, they're having fun. And the people that feel like you have to give, uh, leave fun in childhood, it's it's boring to me and those people the way that they think is sort of frightening to me because i'm not like that and i know that because i'm not like them i frighten them okay i understand that like that answer love that answer so we got a lot to talk about once we deep dive into this interview so the next question behind that how do you feel and what do you think about the word and term blurred I love the term blurred. We're, um, I remember when, uh, when we first came out with Blurred Fest, someone posted something on one of our socials about how the name was stupid. And I was like, well, we're the, the blackula of nerds, you know? Like, the blackula. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's sort of cheesy. It's sort of corny. But, like, you know, back 50 years ago at the start of the exploitation era, it was sort of like a shortcut. You know, you have a Dracula. How do you signify that Dracula is black? You put a BL in front of it. He's now Blackula. You have a Frankenstein story, but you want to make Frankenstein's monster black. How do you signify that? You put a BL in front of it. He's now Blackenstein. I mean, it's sort of campy. It's sort of cheesy, but it's fun. And, you know, if you're going to acknowledge that you're a nerd and you're black, I mean, why wouldn't you call yourself a blurred? That is true. I like that answer. I, I, I like that. I like it. You know, and sometimes being cheesy is always good. There's nothing wrong with being cheesy and having good puns behind everything that you do and say. So I really do appreciate that. Thank you for sharing. And I always ask those first uh, first two questions to break the ice. That's to get the mind space and the head space of the person I'm interviewing. So thank you for sharing. I really do appreciate that. Now, you said something that took me by surprise when you first came up with the name Blurfish. You said somebody said something out the way. You said that's a stupid. That's a stupid name. Yeah, I mean, I, I think st- it was a black person that just objected, just thought that you know, calling ourselves Blurs was was stupid. It's like, all right, well, okay. <laughs> Wait, so, but. If coming from and that's coming from a black person, how did that make you feel? You know, for them to say something like that, even though you made a space for people of color to come to your convention of you know Blurfest. I mean, you know, any interest you have, someone thinks is stupid. So you know, I like anime. There are people who think anime is stupid. I like you know Godzilla movies. Some people think that's stupid. Like, if you're gonna worry about what someone else thinks is stupid about your life, then you'll never live your life because there will always be someone that thinks that you're doing something Mm. that's lame. Mm. I like that answer. 
very powerful answer. Thank you for sharing that. So let's deep dive and let's get to the to the real tough and nitty question, shall we? So, Mr. True, what are your top five animes of all time? Your five animes. You know, um, I've never admitted this publicly before, but I have sort of a love hate relationship with anime. Ooh. Um, okay. Yeah. Like I've always watched it. Okay. But um, the the traditional anime, uh, I love the way that Japanese animators do um, special effects and machines and robots, but the way that they've chosen to do their human character design, uh, I'm not, uh, you know, where, where like the characters have like, you know, two mouth positions, it's either like a tiny little slit or it's this, you know, they're crying and it's this huge, like Charlie Brown size, like, and then, you know, their hair is like this huge cascade of hair. It's like, <laughs> That stuff is just kind of uh, rubs me the wrong way. Um, so actually, I think the best anime that I've ever seen, I just saw in the last couple of weeks, uh, it's called Onimusha. It's a new uh, Netflix um, anime. And what I liked about it was that I think it's it's probably the best animation I've ever seen. Uh, it's really intense animation, and their character design. Uh oh, wait a minute! What happened? recent Netflix anime and uh, ooh. I, I, I think the rest are sort of battling out for like positions three, four, and five. I'd have to I'd have to I'd have to think on that for a while. Okay. I'm so sorry. Everybody I don't know what that's happened on my end. Did, did something mess up on your end true? Because like my... I, you froze for a while, and I couldn't tell if you were listening really intently or if you froze. I have I froze really, really bad, and the audio just kind of cut out. So if you don't mind, can you repeat what uh, what you just said? Because it kicked me out the whole studio for some odd reason. Ah, okay. Uh, so I was saying that uh, I don't know how far back you, you, you froze out, but I was saying that my what's probably my favorite animation ever is a very recent... Netflix series called Anamusha, which has probably the best animation of any kind. That, or I, I don't think I've seen better animation anywhere than in that show. Um, and it was still very stylized, but they toned down a lot of the exaggerated um, expressions that kind of bug me about uh, traditional anime, like like when the characters. And then you know they they get excited and their eyes go this big. Are you are you freezing again? Oh uh, no, I'm not freezing. It's this so, is this, this glitching. I don't know why, but I'm, I'm hearing everything okay. you're saying. <laughs> um, so uh, Anamusha is um, 
is probably my favorite. I really like Blue-Eyed Samurai, which is also a recent uh, recent one. Uh, Akira, I think, is is an amazing, amazing piece of art. Um, and, you know, the last two slots, I think there's a whole bunch of anime in my head that's sort of fighting for the last two spots. Uh, I really enjoyed One Punch Man. Okay. Um and the last one, yeah, my my top five only goes to four because the rest are sort of battling out for fifth position. The fifth, mm, okay, okay. I'm, you know, somebody always keep telling me about Akira because I think that's kind of like a old. Isn't that like an old school style anime, Akira? I haven't seen it, but uh, it's it's probably from I think nineteen ninety or so. But mm. I mean, if you're into anime at all you really need to see akira it's it's pretty mind-blowing um i mean the the story the special effects the yeah it's it it's considered way ahead of its time it's considered a, a classic uh anyone that enjoys anime absolutely needs to see akira okay thank you for sharing that i'm guessing i'm have to check out akira now so there's something else i'll put on my anime to watch since i'm already behind a whole bunch of animes that i'm trying to currently keep up on one piece um what is um short soul eater it, it's a lot it's a lot i gotta i gotta catch up on i know i feel i feel sad so don't judge me um so out of all the animes that you name drew if you can live in any anime world that you name which one will it be and why shit uh <laughs> Yeah. Uh, oh, I don't know. I mean, they're all they're all. Uh, can can we curse? I'm. Yes, go ahead. They're all pretty fucked up. I mean, uh, Akira is uh, near future. It's not post apocalyptic, but it's you know, it's sort of society is sort of like Blade Runner ish. So it's not really like a happy place. Um, Onimusha is like feudal Japan, but there are demons running around. So, mm. you know, not really so keen on that either. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I think I, I would want to be like a time traveler that was in like a bubble of safety that could like visit these places. But I don't I don't think I want to live in, in any anime world that I've ever seen. That's, you know what? That's a good answer. That is fair to say because, yeah, that is pretty kind of fucked up. That was. That was. So going back to your childhood, growing up as a child, what was that first thing that caught your attention? Was it a comic book, a video game, a board game that kind of made, you know, that made you interest in the nerd community? What was that thing that kind of stood out to you? Well, you know, there's this debate uh, in human development and child psychology, nurture versus nature. Mm -hmm. There's this unanswerable question of the people that we are, the people that we become, how much of that is embedded in our DNA and how much of that is, is societal influence, family influence. And I have no way of knowing if my interests would have been different had my influences been different, but Mm. I have a brother that's five years older than I am. And he had an interest in art and he liked to draw the things that were important to us as, you know, four, five, 10 year olds. Uh, He would draw comic book characters. So 
I don't know if I would have an interest in art naturally. I don't know if I would have an interest in comic books and things like that otherwise, but that was imprinted on me at a very young age. Like I saw my brother, you know, he was drawing the Hulk and it looked like the Hulk and that was mind blowing. And, uh, you know, the, the characters that he drew, it's like, wow, you're drawing, like you're recreating these, these comic book characters. And that really made a deep impression on me. So I developed an interest in art and, uh, and it was really, uh, art was really the only thing that I ever had a real interest in. And uh, so I became an artist and I kept watching uh, the animations and things. I, I mean, I, I was what we used to call a latchkey kid. I don't know if they still use that term anymore, but basically I'm Gen X. We were the generation that we didn't have parents or necessarily siblings watching out for us. Mm. We had a key to the latch, the key to the lock of our door. And, you know, it was like school's out and go home and, you know, good luck. Hope you're still alive when your parents get home. And um, that vacuum of parental guidance, uh, I wasn't really interested in picking up books so much. So I just watched television and I watched everything that was on because, you know, what am I going to do? Like sit in silence, read a book. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, I watched, uh, I watched all of, uh, do you know, Sid and Marty Croft? The, the name sounds familiar. Yes. So Sid and Marty Croft was um, a production company that made um, after school shows and, and Saturday morning shows specifically for a kid audience uh, like Sigmund and the Sea Monster and H.R. Uh, Puff and Stuff and Lidsville yes. and things like that. Okay. Um, so I, I would watch all of that. I would watch little um, Speed Racer and Scooby Doo and, and uh, you know, everything that was on. And, um, and the, the impact that it had on me was that I was both um, very drawn to animation and, and, you know, the TV shows and things like that. But at the same time, I recognized when they were taking shortcuts and I recognized when they were making mistakes and I recognized when they were putting things out into the world to be consumed by kids like me. And they had, uh, basically said, eh, fuck these kids. Like, uh, they're either too stupid <laughs> to recognize that we've made this mistake or fuck them. Who cares anyway? And I would recognize those mistakes and that sloppy work. And, uh, and it's part of what has driven me as an adult artist is to not make those sloppy mistakes when I do work, especially if I'm doing work that's designed for kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you know, the whole time you was talking and you were saying it and you said speed racer. So let me ask you this. How, how bad was speed racer, but it was so good at the same time. It's one of those things that, uh, you know, I, I watched the hell out of it as a kid, but it sort of epitomizes uh, the things that I, I don't really like so much about anime. Like, uh, you know, realistic mouth movements, I prefer. Like that, that talking where it's just like your mouth is either open or it's closed. And like that kind of stuff, you know, I'm not... That's the kind of thing where I'm like, okay, that's just kind of lazy and that bothers me. Um, so I loved it as a kid. I kind of 
don't love it as an adult. I, I tried watching that uh, Wachowski movie of Speed Racer. Could not, couldn't do it. I got like 15 minutes in and I was like, okay. I, I It was like, it was like trying to like chug Kool-Aid that has too much sugar in it. It was like, I can't, I can't do this. My eyes, my eyes can't do this. Oh man, it, yes, I can agree. Cause it was certain moments with Speed Racer. It was good, but the animation it, it was just so bad, but you guess you just couldn't take your eyes away. It's kind of like it, it's hurting, but it, it's something new. It's something different. It's not like your original cartoons that you see every day. It's something different, but I can't agree on that. Hey, what, what you got something against Kool-Aid? What's wrong with Kool-Aid? Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I had enough Kool-Aid in the first couple of decades of my life to last for the rest of my life. Yes. So, what was your fl- what was your favorite flavor of Kool Aid? Uh, red, I guess. I don't know if it had a. It was either fruit punch or, or it was just the red one. I love it because as black people, we never say the we never say the flavor. We always say the color. I love that about yeah. us. What, what's your favorite green? I don't, yeah, I don't. I, I don't know if it had a name. I suppose it did, but. <laughs> You know, tropical punch or fruit punch or tropical fruit and some some shit like that. Hey, hey, go, hey, true. We we got you. It rivers your flavor. We we know where you coming from. We know what flavor that was. We gonna say red all day long. So don't come for us. All right, people. That's what we do over here. But moving along. Um, now your convention, Blur Fest. Like, how did all this come about? So. I've, I'm, I'm black and I'm nerdy and I've been to a lot of nerdy events in which I was the only chocolate chip in the cookie. And that didn't, Damn. you know, like white people are great, but you know, I don't necessarily need to be the only black person in a room full of white people. And I just found that, um, you know, nerdy events seem to gloss over the black experience. Like, you know, even to this day, I I look at other cons in my area just to see, you know, who, what guests are they bringing and, you know, what panelists and what speakers and all that. And there is another one in the area. uh, I don't remember which one it was. doesn't really matter because they're all kind of the same. Um, And then they had 10 guests, panelists, whatever, and it was like white guy, 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 Latina guy, a Latino guy, and then a a woman. And they wouldn't call themselves a white con, but when you look at the content, when you look at what you're getting for your money, they're clearly not interested in the black experience. They're not interested in black people. They're not interested in black stories, black content, black content creators, mm. or at least it doesn't show from what they are presenting to the world. So, you know, I've been to these nerdy events in which I was the only black person. And then I've been to black events in which I was the only nerd. And neither of those situations is really ideal for me socially. So because I, I tend to, I, I think I'm a little neuro spicy. So my brain needs a lot of novel stimulus. It needs excitement. It needs things to sort of geek out on. Right. And so 
if I'm in a space that lacks something for me to find interesting or a space for me to be in that is interesting and fun, my brain is like, okay, well, uh, and since no one else has, has done this, uh, it looks like it's up to you and me brain. And, um, and so I created, uh, I, I actually went to, um, there is a, it's carnival season in New Orleans, uh, in case your audience is otherwhere, uh, somewhere else in the world that doesn't care about carnival. But it's carnival season in New Orleans, and one of my favorite events during carnival season is a ball called Mom's Ball. And Mom's is a secret society of mystics, orphans, and misfits. Mm. And every, every Mardi Gras, they have this huge party with multiple bands on multiple stages, huge space, thousands of people, mandatory costumes, and always a great time. It's really amazing. I love going to Mom's Ball. But in 2018, I went to Mom's Ball, and I was like, wow, this is really great. Uh, how is it that in a city that's 60% black, there is an event that's 95% white? So oh. I thought, okay, well, oh, wow. I really like this event, um, like the event itself, but like the demographics are a little lacking in melanin for my taste. Mm-hmm. So I turned to my Facebook community and I was like, hey, um, what do you guys think about doing a blurred ball in which it's like a mom's ball, but more melanin? And so the idea of doing a ball yes. sort of morphed into like, a con and uh and, and so by the next year uh, we had a uh, blurred okay. fest and uh we we made it happen and uh and it was it was tiny but it was really fucking amazing it was really everyone that went really loved it because it was really it do you know the story of stone soup no so uh, I, I'm probably messing up some of the details, but they're not important. But the story of Stone Soup is like these three soldiers come into, you know, they're wandering through the countryside. They come upon this uh, this town and uh, they're hungry and they have no food and they ask people for food and people are like, fuck you, get out of my face. And they're like, okay, we're going to make some stone soup. So they, they get this pot and they fill it with water and they have a fire underneath it and they throw some stones in, they're stirring it. And people come over like, you know, what you got going on there? They're like, oh, this is stone soup. They're like, oh, stone soup. They're like, yeah, it's the fucking bomb. It's really great. And they're like, you know what this needs? This needs a little, you know, little chicken stock. And so someone goes, oh, okay. And they go and they get some chicken and they're like, oh, this is great. Uh, we need like some potatoes. And then, so they're like, oh, it just needs a little of this, a little of that. And then by the end of that process, they have this delicious soup with all these different ingredients that were brought by all of these different people. And that's what Blurfest is. It's like stone soup. It's a, I created this big pot and I've invited people like, say, you have some pretty good carrots. You got some pretty good potatoes and peas and chicken and whatever the hell else, crawfish. Uh, why don't you throw it in this pot and stir it up and we can all have some gumbo. And that's what Blurtfest is. It's a, it's a big black gumbo of 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 uh, black excellence and brilliance and genius. I need to give you this real quick. This is.
two things behind that. One, you made me hungry as hell. Now I want to go try some stone soup. Two, that story was goddamn amazing. And that it was it was beautifully how you told it. And plus, you from New Orleans, so I really love gumbo, which is the real gumbo in New Orleans, if y'all didn't know, by the way. So, yeah. So, actually, I'm not from here. I made a pilgrimage to be here because this is where I need to be. Oh, okay. Why Why do you feel like you need to be there? Uh, I think that New Orleans is the funnest city in America. True. I mean, Yeah. I mean, New York, I think, is the greatest city on the planet, and that's where I, I, I'm from Los Angeles. I escaped Los Angeles to New York, and then I escaped New York to come here. And New York is great, but it's not as much fun. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's about business. They're about, like, business and money and advancement and, you know, becoming the greatest whatever. And New Orleans is like, eh, <laughs> you know. Hey, let's, we just here. Let's come just, on. Let's just have some some drinks, do a little dancing in the street, make uh, have a crawfish boil. Yeah, we, there's, there's there's time for work tomorrow. Right now, let's let's stop and have a crawfish boil and drink some daiquiris. Basically, it's like New Orleans. Live and don't live in the moment. That's what you really need to do. Just live in the moment. Yeah. Don't don't worry about yeah. today or tomorrow. Just live right now. Yeah. New York is like live for twenty years down the line. You have to sacrifice. <laughs> All of your todays because your tomorrow could possibly be the bomb, but you have to give up 20 years worth of your todays in order to see the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. In New Orleans, they're like, tomorrow, shit, we all get killed by a hurricane tonight. So, <laughs> wait. <laughs> that threw, I didn't mean to laugh, but that threw me. I was like, wow, he went there, but it, it, so it kind of makes actually, sense. I, I, call, I call New York City a tomorrow city. New Orleans is a today city. <laughs> Understandable. Y'all need to listen to this man. He's he know what he's talking about. <clears throat> but <laughs> move moving along. So, have you ever faced anything that was you know what was like the, the hardest things you faced making Blurfest? Like, did you face any trials or tribulations? Any problems? Any? Because I know it's like it was a few. It was a it was a lot of no's. Because of course, like you said, <laughs> people don't really care about the African-American culture or race when it comes to a community of nerddom? The biggest difficulty that I've had, excuse me, the biggest difficulty that I've had is that my brain is very oriented towards the creative aspects. So I can conceptualize the hell out of something. I can create content for something. I can create the graphics for that content because my brain is all about like, this is, you know, that's what my brain likes. But events, uh, you know, that events take more than just the concept and the graphics and all that. Like there's a nuts and bolts behind it that, uh, you know, like meetings and like figuring out where's the money going to come from for this. And, you know, who's going to pay for all of this? There's there's the venue. And if you're inviting guests from out of town, they have to have plane tickets and they have to have hotel rooms and they have to have cabs to get them from A to B. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of, of puzzle pieces that make up the puzzle and most of them are boring. You know, like I don't like the, the administrative aspect. I don't like the fundraising aspect because jumping through fundraisers hoops and like researching sponsors and, and grants and things like that, it's, 
my brain does not find that fun. Um, and so that's the difficulty. Like I want to just like, Ooh, I want to make this thing right here and it's going to be great. And it's going to be fun. And then there's like, there's always like this tap on the shoulder. And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. Motherfucker, but um, uh, where's the money going to come from from that? Where's the hello? Right. Money, the money, where's the money going to come from? Um, and so that's, that's the balancing act. Like, figuring out what the fun stuff is going to be because that's the reason for doing all of this. But then figuring out how to actually make it manifest is the, is the challenge. Uh, I understand it. I understand that. That's what, you know, most people who, who go to these conventions thinking like, Oh man, he got such and such to come here or he got this whole video game or he got like a whole, you know, kickball game going on, but they don't really see like what you said. You know, I don't say, I could say it's the boring part of things, the administrative work, because you got to do this when math come in and I hate math. So you got to do a lot of mathing and I'm pretty sure my my brain and I are are not fond of math. We on we on the same link. Yeah, because math was never my best subject. So, yeah. (laughs) But are you the only person? Well, when you first started, were you the only person? Did you have a team or you had like maybe two or three people to help you with this? Or was it all you? Uh, the, you know, I've actually been doing, um, I've been in, inspired to do community-based art projects for the last 30 years, at least. Okay. And most of that time, it's been like a one-man operation, uh, coming out of my pocket and doing like, you know, the, the whole soup to nuts of, of making these events uh, come to fruition. Mm-hmm. And like when I, I moved, uh, when I moved to New York, I lived in Manhattan for a while, saw a whole bunch of free cultural events all throughout the city. And then I moved to Bed-Stuy, which is the largest black neighborhood in New York city. Okay. And didn't see any free cultural events that, you know, the type that I had come to expect to see in every other neighborhood in the city. And I thought, okay, well, again, there's a void that for whatever reason, no one is filled, so I couldn't complain about the lack of something unless I was willing to try and address that lack. So I started a free children's film festival in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, that is now the longest-running free children's festival in the world. And that was great um, spiritually, but on a, uh, on a on a whole bunch of other levels, like it's, it's a, it's a heavy thing to carry, you know, have to come out of pocket for things and have to, you know, do all the design and store all the equipment and transport the equipment and set it up and use like all of that. But blurred fest is really the first project that I've worked on where a lot of people have, have stepped up to say, okay, I see you, the vision, I see what you're trying to do, mm-hmm. and I want to contribute to that because um, I, I tell people that we're like a Comic Con, but we are to most Comic Cons what PBS is to E. You know, like they're both <laughs> television networks, and they they can both be entertaining. Right. But one is just about the entertainment, and the other, you know, it's like Sesame Street is very entertaining. But really, what Sesame Street about is teaching kids, you know, teaching kids numbers, teaching kids to read, teaching kids, you know, shapes and 
you know, how to count to Call one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight nine, nine, ten, 10 11, 11, 12. 12. <laughs> so that's what we're about. We're not really, you know, I'm not out there to just entertain people. Uh, I'm out there to bring educational and vocational content into the black community that we're lacking in the most fun and exciting way possible. So the Comic-Con stuff is just sort of like the shiny candy coating uh, that is wrapped around this core, which is this information that we're trying to to bring into the neighborhood. And that is why um, people have been helping me with this. There is a, there is a planning committee. There are people that... Uh, you know, drop in every now and then to, you know, do what they can. Uh, all of our guests, you know, we, we started in 2019, COVID knocked us out for the mm. next three years. We mm. came back last year. We're planning again for this uh, May 18th. All of our guests have appeared pro bono. So we have been given at least a hundred thousand plus dollars worth of appearance fees by, um, by guests who, normally charge $20,000 to go to a con, $50,000 to go to a con, $60,000 to go to a con. But when I explain to them that, you know, we're not just, you know, a business trying to make money, we're a community service that's trying to, to reach out to people in the community and provide them with information that's going to make their life better. They're like, oh, okay, I get that. I'm on board. So if you can just get me there, you know, I'm going to waive my appearance fee. Just get me there and we're good. Flawless victory, excellence. Wow, true. What have what have you been hiding? Because that 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 is awesome. That's and that's what I like to hear. And I'm pretty sure some people that are watching and hearing right now, it's like, what are he talking about? You know, I'm in it for the money. This this is really why I'm doing the convention. But you don't have too many people what you're doing to actually to benefit the culture of actually teaching and actually showing things of how everything's done. So. That is amazing in itself, sir. So that's a well-deserved clap and a pat on your back, sir, for what you're doing. Um, so here's and here's my here's my question because you know a lot of people have been always asking since I've been doing being the blur, having these amazing people on here. Like, why have why have certain like why have we not heard? Because I came across your page like well like in twenty nineteen when I first even saw the blur New Orleans Fest. I was kind of like, okay, this this is interesting. It's a blur fest and it's in New Orleans. That's the two best of both worlds. You can't get no better than that. I don't care who you are, unless yeah. it's it's a con a black con in Las Vegas, but that's a whole nother subject. But New Orleans and a blur fest, but not too many people have heard about blur fest uh because you know there are it's not that many black conventions in the united states and you can't agree on that um but you know we have what is dream con is blur con and that's like the only two black conventions there, that there was kind of con but i don't think that they returned post-covid it's it was I mean, Wakanda they were, they were great for like two years and then covid and then i haven't i haven't heard from them that was in chicago Okay, didn't hear about. Oh wow! So it was WakandaCon. WakandaCon. That is, I have never heard of it. It was Chicago. Wow. Yeah, I mean, so the reason that people haven't heard of us up to this point was because, um, remember that thing I said about like how I'm real good with the 
you know, conceptualizing, but not so good with the fundraising and all that kind of thing. Yes. So, um, so we were basically financed out of my pocket and Mm. I put all of the money into the content and didn't really have the budget for paid advertisements. So we were relying on word of mouth, social media. Uh, when it came to last year's event, um, I zeroed out my life savings to make that that event possible. Uh, we actually uh, wait, wait, we, wait, stop, wait, hold on, wait, wait. Say that, say that part again. Uh, so, uh, all the money that I've uh, that I have left in the world uh, from all of my decades of of busting my ass, uh, it 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 got down to the point where it's like, okay, well, there is a grant from the city uh, okay. that. that is designed to support uh, culture bearers, people that create events that bring people to the city mm-hmm. and stay in hotels and pay a small hotel tax. And that money from the hotel tax goes to this organization that then gives money to the groups that create the events that bring people back to the city to stay in the hotels, to pay the tax to go. So there was that grant and we applied for it, but we weren't going to find out the results of that grant until after the event. So at the time when the spending needed to be done, I had no way of knowing if I would get um, all of what we asked for, half of what we asked for, none of what we asked for. And I had to just be like, fuck it, YOLO. Um, and, uh, and I zeroed out my life savings and we had a great event. And then like the month later, uh, we got half of the grant that we asked for and that allowed me to basically break even. So, you know, uh, breaking even is, is a lot better than being in a, a hole, tens of thousands of dollars worth of hole. Um, so, you know, so I'm not, I'm not in this to make money, but I would really prefer not to go broke. Uh, if I could make some money, that would be great. Obviously, I, I like money. I'm, I'm fond of money. I, I have seen money at various points in my life. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I, we have applied for another grant. We're going for sponsors and grants and all that. We've applied for another grant for this upcoming event. The big difference is that we're going to find out about the results of this grant three months ahead of our event. So that makes a huge difference because knowing a budget, knowing how much money we have to work with mm-hmm. um, makes a, a big difference when you're, you know, looking at how many people, how many plane tickets can you afford? How many hotel rooms can you afford? How many, you know, whatever can you afford? And so if we get, um, if we get money from this grant, we'll be able to do a lot more advertising um, I've already started doing the research on radio advertising, television advertising, and online advertising. And if we get the money that I'm hoping that we get, uh, people will hear about uh, about Blurfest because we'll be advertising to the fullest extent of our budget. People, this is called a BMW, a black man working. That. That is awesome, bro. And believe me, if you do, if you need any help from us on Blurred Over, please let us know what we can do to to assist you in any way we can on our side to to get the word Spread across. Because I call it spreading the gospel. <laughs> hey, spreading the gospel. There you go, spreading and 
the good gospel at that. Let's let's put that in mm-hmm. the good gospel because man, this is amazing because I, you know, this year this is the year I'm a tribe. I want to go to cons and your con especially is the one I, I have to go to. I just want to experience it um, being at Blurfest in New Orleans because it sounds amazing. And what city are you in? Birmingham, Alabama. So I'm kind of like five hours away from you. So yeah, I'm just right up the road, way up the road. So okay, yeah, I've been to Birmingham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you said it like that because not too much great stuff goes on here. But yeah, we're gonna leave that alone for another time. Um, <laughs> so you know, have you ever heard of these like the other conventions of like BlurCon or DreamCon or of that nature? Have you heard of these um, kinds before? BlurCon. I mean, you know, part of the journey uh, was when we had this idea back in in 2018, 2019. I was like, okay, I should go and see what other black cons there are. And, um, so I went to blurred con, I went to Wakanda con. Um, there are a couple of con like mini cons in New York, mm-hmm. like, uh, like the Schomburg has, uh, the Schomburg is like the African American, uh, or the, basically it's like the black history museum in New York city. Okay. Uh, they have a, a comic event, it's not like a full-fledged con, but uh, um, so, I mean, I've, I've gone to all the ones that, that that I've been able to afford to go to, and I try and um, keep my eyes open for any new ones that pop up. I know that we are um, the first in the Gulf Coast, the first and only black con. Uh, I mean, I think you would have to go to... Atlanta before you would find another black con. So probably, you right. You know, yeah. 500, 800,000 miles in any direction. We are the only game in town. Yeah. the only, Yeah. Yeah. Because now it's a new one. It's the urban nerd con, which is going on in Atlanta and that's going to happen in April. So that's another black convention. So, so far we up to four and, and I'm, I'm totally in favor of their, like, I, I think, uh, like I don't see them as competition. I see that. I mean, unless they're like same city, same day, or like nearby same day, they're not competition. So I am looking to promote other, to visit and to, you know, support other cons uh, in general, black cons, particularly indigenous cons, um, Latinx cons. Like, you know, um, I, I think uh, more cons is, is a good thing with, with the caveat that, um, some of the cons that I've gone to don't really feel like cons. They feel like pop-up markets where mm. someone just rents a convention center and fills it with vendors. And it's like, okay, give me some money so that you can come in and give them some money. And there's no <laughs> content. Right. Um, that, that just seems kind of, uh, I love nerd stuff too much. Like that kind of defames comic cons for me. Mm-hmm. Like, to just basically see me as a, as a consumer, as a customer and getting me in the door so that I can like, you know, so you can grab me by the ankles, shake me until all the money comes out and then throw me out. Like I'm not really feeling that dynamic. Like we have vendors of course, because I know people love it, but we are so much about the the content, about the information, about exposing um, our community to all of this information. Like, you know, for example, um, 
we make a special effort of having uh, panels and discussions and interviews with uh, film and TV professionals because mm. New Orleans has a film and TV industry that, you know, is kind of had some ups and downs depending on what tax credits are being offered and what, and, you know, whether or not we are, you know, underwater. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, we, we have an industry and there are lots of jobs in those industries. And most, I would, I would imagine that in every single one of the jobs that is in the TV and film industry, that black people are underrepresented. And in part, that's because, you know, it's like, how many people, if, if you ask the average person, what jobs are in film and TV, they'd say actor, of course, writer, director, and maybe producer beyond that, they'd be like, I don't know, but you know, who knows what a key grip is? Who knows what a dolly grip is? Who knows what a gaffer, a best boy, like all of like that 10 minutes of credits that you see at the end of a Marvel movie. It's like, those are all people with jobs that, you know, that they're doing. Um, And so our goal, one of our goals is to bring in vocational content for adults Mm. in which we bring in, like we might have a filmmakers panel and yeah, we have a director and a producer and like the types of jobs that you've heard of, but we also have like a hairstylist that won an Emmy for some hairstyling that she did in, in one of these shows, a production assistant, camera crew, lighting, like people who have these jobs that are not like, you know, glamorous and glorious and you're not going to know their names or their faces or whatever. But that's not really like we want like the, the big celebrities that everyone recognizes. Sure. Right. But it's also important for us to bring into our community and put up on a stage and hand a microphone to someone that's like, yeah, I'm a production assistant. And that's not necessarily a glamorous job, but I've worked on the last 20 Marvel movies. I've worked on black Panther. I've worked on like boom, 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 boom. And like, I have a union job with benefits and good pay and this is how I got into it. And this is how I heard of it. And this is how you get into the union. Like that's important to us. Like showing you a celebrity that you recognize is great, but showing you someone that can maybe steer you towards having a career, doing something that you love. Uh, uh, that's, that's very important too. That That is awesome. Cause you know, like you said, people would know like the actors, the directors, everything like that, but you not really paying attention to, the people behind the scenes because I do a little bit of acting and I seen what goes into commercials and I, uh, short films. It's a lot of work and the people that's doing the work are, are the people you said, the ones that are, you know, doing the camera pool, setting up the lights, breaking down, getting certain shots. And mm-hmm. that's, that's really important. And it should be, I think that those are a lot of jobs in itself that people kind of miss out on because they don't know how to apply or they didn't think of such things, but you know, I'm thinking about a movie. Okay. I'm going to have to be an actor or actress or producer or actor. So, and cause when I used to do it, man, my friend used to make videos all the time. I used to hold a boom mic, which that is a very mm-hmm. tedious job. You got to hold that thing up and you got to hold it for hours. And I mean yeah. hours and that's, and that's an important job because you can have all the, you know, the special effects, the great shot, but if you don't have the right sound to fit the movie, the movie is going to be trash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of our um, one of our panelists, he works um, in Atlanta and New Orleans uh, doing um, 
uh, is a cinematographer, but he also does some other camera related things. Like he is able to, uh, I don't even remember like the specific technical terms, but while a scene is being shot, if they want the color balance to shift, like, you know, they're filming in spring, but it's supposed to be autumn. So they need to like, you know, make the grass look browner and mm-hmm. this guy, like, you can. They used to have to do that in post production. Now you can do it as you're you're shooting, and that's what he does. And he's probably making a couple hundred thousand a year. You know, Man. like these are these are the types of people. It's like, yeah, I want to bring in the faces that you recognize, mm-hmm. but this guy can tell you like, you know, how to get started in a career that you had never heard of before. It, it, exactly, exactly, and that's and that's what your con is all about. So. Give us like a how many people you say will be be in attendance at your convention? A guesstimate. Well, the first the first year in twenty nineteen we had two hundred and fifty people. Okay. Um, the following one we expected more, but after a lot of planning and uh, we chose our date uh, and we announced our date, then two other local established cons also announced. The exact same date and time. So uh, that kind of uh, squashed our numbers a little bit. So we had 250 people um, last year, but we think that we're going to have an exponential leap this year because we believe that we're going to be getting some money from this grant that's going to allow us to do advertising for the first time. And um, so we're expecting 2,500 to 5,000 people this year depending on how much money we get and um, and that will determine how much money we're putting into advertising. Okay. That's good. That is great. So give us like a typical, give us a typical day at blur fist. What would people like my first day coming in? What, what will I be doing and what would I be seeing? Uh, well, we're still just a one day con. Mm-hmm. We would like to be a three day con eventually, but you know, we want to perfect it on a small level before we, expand right um but uh this year's theme is uh myths and legends and so all of our panels are um like we'll have um a panel that is black actors we have black filmmakers we have black writers comedians um you know, scientists, we, 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 we bring, we reach out to people, we bring people in and then we sort of group them by field and by genre. And then we put them all on a panel. So, you know, uh, asking people what is, uh, you know, what is it like to be a, you know, what is the state of black myth-making in the writing profession? What's it like being a black writer? Um, you know, because in all of these fields, like whether it's acting or writing or directing or producing, we are not represented in those fields relative to our you know population in this country. Mm-hmm. So, in all of those places where these professionals go, um, they are you know trailblazing. They're creating uh, paths for the rest of us. And so, all day long, we're going to have uh, panels of these various blurdy professionals talking about you know how they got started what their careers have been like um we have one that um is specifically about elder 
creatives, people who have had decades long careers and have done nothing but their art for the last 30, 40, 50 years. Uh, like there's, um, I don't know if, if, I think the younger generation might not know him unless they're specifically into black exploitation. But uh, back when Shaft and Superfly and films like that were coming out, there was a former uh, football player named Fred Williamson that started making those types of movies, and they called him The Hammer. And he made films like Hell Up in Harlem and Black Caesar and Three the Hard Way. And, um, and that was 50-plus uh, years ago. And he's still acting to this day. He was also, you might know him. Did you see uh, From Dust Till Dawn? The, um, oh, you're talking about the guy that turned into a, like a pit and they threw the guy? That, that was yeah. him? Yeah, so he's, oh. he's, the, he's the big black guy in, uh, in From Dust Till Dawn. Um, but he's, he's been in, I don't, I don't know, dozens, hundred movies. I don't, was he, I don't even know. Was he in... Um... If I think this is saying, was he in I'm going to get you, sucker? Or was that somebody else I'm thinking about? You know, I asked him the same thing <laughs> because there's another, uh, that was Jim Brown. That was okay. another former football player. And when I asked him about that, because I was like, I know, I know this guy. And I asked him, like, were you in I'm going to get you? And he said something along the line of, I wasn't in that bullshit. <laughs> like he, he, you know, he, he thought that was kind of silly. And he was more about like action movies. And mm-hmm. I mean, he's a, you know, he's, I don't know, 80-something, and he's still, like, this big, tall, imposing man that... Uh, Flat don't crack. I'm like, okay, go ahead. Um, so, you know, he's coming in. Uh, we have this woman named uh, Janae Michelle who was in, like, you know, Sanford and Son and Bewitched and, and Blackula movies, like, uh, and, you know, she's been acting for... Uh, we actually just, uh, we had a Blurred Fest event. It was a screening the 50th anniversary of a horror, a black exploitation horror film called the house on skull mountain. Um, that as of right now is 50 years old and she's still acting and still gorgeous. And, um, so, you know, and, uh, do you know Wendell Pierce? Yes. Uh, Wendell Pierce is, is one of our guests. So, um, and he's been acting for, I gotta calm now. 30, 35, 40 years. Oh, man. So, man. And again, all of these people are, are appearing um, because they they understand that, that our mission is one, that we're up for the benefit of the community. That, that is awesome, man. Well, kudos to you, brother. Thank you for this. this. I need to invite more people like this because, man, you just open up a whole new world of things that people can achieve and do now because i really this has been an awesome interview because sadly though we have came to the hour mark of this awesome interview so thank you for you know for sharing everything that you shared with us we really appreciate it but of course before we, God's brother God. before before we end you know um uh, two questions two questions mm-hmm. first question can you let people know when the this great event starts Saturday, May 18th here in new Orleans. If you're in new Orleans, it's at McDonough 35 high school, uh, which is a big, beautiful new building uh, right next to city park. And uh, it's an all day thing from 11 to six Um, kids, 12 and under free teens are 15 bucks. Adults are only 25 bucks. 
and vendors. We have vendor tables for just 50 bucks because we're more interested in getting the vendors in the door than making a lot of money from the vendors. Okay. Okay. Now, second question, Mr. True, would you like to play a game? Of course. Shall we play? <laughs> okay. Excellent. Now, three games that I played with the people that I've been viewing, just to have some fun for the people that's watching. I'm going to give you the rundown of each game. It's up to you to which game you want to play. Basically, you pick your own poison. So, game number one, it is called questions. I will ask you four simple questions. If you can't help to answer those simple questions, you have to say the magic anime word, which is the good old Nani. Nani to activate your lifeline. Now, the people that are watching right now can help you answer that question, but you have to say Nani to activate your lifeline. If you don't, and if you see the answer or somebody says the answer before you, you will hear this sound. And that's it. You just took that one L for that question. That is the good game of questions. Game number two is the same as questions, but we call it Riddle Me This. It's the same concept, four riddles, nothing to activate your lifeline. That's it, sort of simple. And game number uh-huh. three, it is called Name That Tune. Now, Name That Tune, you will have five categories. Once we get to category number three, that's when things become very difficult. Now, in Name That Tune, I could play any theme song from any nerd-related sound from video games, comic books, movies, sitcom tv shows anything that is familiar from the nerd ear that give that nerd ear the tickle it's like hey i know that song that's from such and such you have to give me the tone of that song you got five categories two lifelines and i could play the song for you as many times as you like so mr true what game would you like to play uh i guess i'll do the first one because uh uh i've i've I lived in poverty throughout my childhood, so we couldn't afford video games. Uh, ne- the only video game system <laughs> I ever had in my house was Pong. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. yeah. For some people, like what is Pong? If y'all might have to go, y'all gonna have to go look that up because that's like that was the first, the first ever game system that everybody have, and it was the most funnest game you can ever Call, play. Calling, calling it a system is a little bit of a stretch. Like there, it, it had it had four built-in games. It like the, it was before the twenty six hundred, and that twenty six hundred was a system with like replaceable cartridges, and they'd come out with new games, and you could plug them into your system. Pong was not a system. Pong was like a console that it is what it is. It's got four <laughs> games. You either like those games, or you go out and like you know climb a tree or something. So I, I'll I'll do the I'll do the first one because I probably wouldn't recognize the uh, the video game songs. So he chose the questions, people. I'm gonna set everything up. Don't go nowhere. We can play the good game with questions, and we'll be right back.
Oh, what's going on, good people? And we are back. We are back with it. We're going to play the good game called Questions, where he's going to have to answer four simple questions. And, you know, that's really it. If y'all think he could do it, he, if y'all think he do it, give me some thumbs up and give me some hand claps on all the social platforms. And we're going to get into it. Mr. Chu, are you ready for your first question? As ready as I'm ever going to be. All right, here we go. <clears throat> question. First of all, I need to ask, do you see anything in particular or anything peculiar? Do you see me sharing the screen with you anything? Do you see anything at all? All I see on the screen is me. Good. Okay, we're going to keep it that way. All right, here we go. Question number one. What does the E in email stands for? Electronic. Okay, we're off to a good start. I'm pretty sure y'all saying that was an easy question, but, you know, some people might not have known that. All right, moving on to question number two. Mr. True, can you Mm -hmm. name the two days starting with T besides Tuesday and Thursday? I'm sorry, name the two days. Mm Mm-hmm. Starting with the letter T? Mm-hmm. Besides Tuesday and Thursday. Um, are you sure this is not one of the riddles? Uh, <laughs> uh, hold on. Tax day. Uh, and uh, termination day? When you wow. uh, when your ass gets fired for coming in late? He... <laughs> He went straight to the workforce with this one. Is that your final? Is that your final answer? Um, I mean, I'm guessing it's a riddle that I will probably go. Oh, okay, I get it. Once you tell me, but uh, yeah, tax day and termination day are the only two days that I can think of. Other than, uh, oh wait, there's there's tens day and um, ton day and tatter day. Is that really a day? Uh, are those really days? Uh, I mean, you know. <laughs> Tatterday is my favorite day of the week. <laughs> Tatterday. That was right before Tunday. <laughs> yeah, I, th- those are my final answers. Those are your final answers. Are you sure? Are, are those tax answers? Day and Tatterday. Are those answers locked in? Yeah, tax day and Tatterday. The correct answer we was looking for today and tomorrow. Tomorrow day, my favorite. <laughs> okay, we are one and one. Next question. Question number three. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Give me the last four letters of the alphabet. The last four letters of the alphabet? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um uh, I'm guessing there's a, a, a trick to this, but uh, WXYZ? That's your final answer? Uh, or hold on. Last four letters of the alphabet. A, B, E, T. Which, which one you want to go with? Option I'm going to go with A, B, E, T. A B E T. You want to go with that one? A B A B E T. Yes. A B E T. 
would have went with W, X, Y, and Z. Yeah, that one was too. Uh, that was too straight. So I thought I, the last four letters of the alphabet. I get what your mind come. I get that. I, I get what C people. I get what he's coming from. There's two ways you can answer that question, but the one we was looking for is W, X, Y, Z. I understand that. Hey, that, that man. That man that got a big was, money. <laughs> Go ahead. What you finna say? That was too straightforward. That was that one was sort of like, do you know your alphabet? <laughs> what shape is this? What shape has three sides? I it's like it was. Little... I mean, yes, I know the answer to what shape has three sides, but there has to be a trick to it. But when you say triangle, then I'm like, okay, well then I, yeah, all right. Here we go. Are there any more questions? Last question. Just the last one. Okay. The last question. Are you ready? Mm, yep. Last question. Let me find me a good one. Let's find a good one. Okay, here we go. Last question. Seven plus six is twelve, or seven plus six are twelve? <laughs> Neither. <laughs> seven plus six is thirteen. Okay, very good. So came up with two and two two right two wrong now we got a tiebreaker now mr true it's on you mm-hmm. you can keep the, okay you can keep the two and two or we can go for a tiebreaker for one question oh, oh ooh, okay all right that's that that's that los angeles los angeles and new york mentality right there all right all right last question last question here we go <clears throat> what is heavier a pound of cotton or a pound of stone? Which one is heavier? Uh, they're both the same. Is that your final answer? Yes. Outstanding. Boom, that was it, everybody. Y'all clap it up for him, clap it up for him, clap it up, clap it up. <laughs> well, he cleared the board, got all all of them right. So that that was amazing. We kind of got into a tiebreaker, but he broke the tie. That was awesome. So good, sir. Thank you for playing. Thank that you. Kind for- of, that kind of felt like when I took the GED. <laughs> Not the GED. Which is a good enough diploma. <laughs> I like, I'm going to have to use that. That was pretty good. Well, sir, thank you for coming on, man. Before we go, is there anything you would have tell the good people um, where they can find you at on social platforms or, and also give them a good word of encouragement? Uh, yeah, you can. There we go. Uh, you can scan this code and it'll take you to the website that I'm in the process of redesigning right now. Um, or you can just go to blurredfestnola.com let's hold on there we go blurredfestnola.com or just blurredfest.com will take you to our site and that'll tell you who we have um, who we have planned for our Saturday May 18 event and all the information on the who and the where and the whys and all that good stuff so come out and be your your authentic nerdy blurdy self. Boom! There it is. There it is. There go the shirt. There go the shirt. 
Well, good sir. Thank you for coming on and good people. Thank you out there for watching and checking us out. Please go check out Blurred Fest 2024. It's an amazing con. I'm going to be there. There's no if answer buts about it. For one, it's New Orleans. Two, it's a Blurred Fest. And three, it's going to be a lot of black cosplayers and a lot of a lot of great black excellence there so to help you with your life. So please come out. Please support. Spread the word to everybody that you know. Spread the word to your mama and them, your family, everybody. Because this is an amazing con. We have to get this out. And this is like this is another convention for us that is ran by us. So please, so please and please, please, I'm asking you, please help and do whatever you can to support this brother and his brand. Please. And at this time, ah, uh, baby boys, baby girls, what's going on? It's your boy SKIP.88 here from Blurred Over Yeet saying thank you for tuning in for being a blur on this beautiful Sunday. Y'all take care. And at this time, WTW, what's the word? Say it with me. U N I T Y. What does that spell? Unity. This is how we're going to make it to life together. Happy Black History Month. And I'll see you next time on Being a Blur. And we out.